Hey guys, it's Jacob, aka Scadet, and today I'm talking with Alex from Action Frank. Um, I've known Alex for a few years. He was actually my contact uh, when my band Young Costello went to Houston. Um, so it's, just check up as we uh, catch up and talk about his time in quarantine and what Action Frank's doing and how he became the pop punk guy in Houston. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, subscribe, um, and have a great day. Just thank you for joining me, um, part of Base to Base. Um, so what we're going to do is just kind of, we really want to educate and inspire people and maybe uh, people can learn something about you or just about the scene that they didn't know before. Um, so we'll get Absolutely. started. Uh, when, when, do you, when did you know that music was going to play a part of your life? Man, I've been thinking about this question a lot and I think... It really started like, man, I was like maybe six or something. I lived in this like, you know, it was a house built in like the late 60s, early 70s. I was in Dallas and to wake us up every morning for school, like each room in the house had this like radio kind of PA system thing hooked up in each room and you could turn the radio on in the kitchen and it, it, it would play in all the rooms at the house. And to wake us up in the morning, my mom would put on like Radio Disney. And like, you know, that's what I would wake up to in the mornings. And, you know, I wanted to like, I wanted to be like a radio DJ, like a disc jockey. Like I wanted to be the dude that picked the music that people listen to on the radio. And then it kind of went from there, like just kind of, wanting to like be kind of a performer and then I got to an age where it's like fuck it you know let's play guitar you know and then you know it just kind of it was downhill from there you know so I would say as young as like six yeah uh when you were like in school did were you like a part of any music programs or do you learn like to play guitar or anything in school yeah so is actually like singing and vocal stuff first like I was in church choirs when I was a kid and then I was in choir in like you know my middle school years and stuff and then uh you know I was in choir for a couple years in high school even so I was kind of a singer before anything uh I didn't pick up an instrument until I was about 13 12 uh, but that was, you know, that came pretty naturally, but I was singing as young as, you know, I would say at least, you know, eight, 10 years old, something like that. So, uh, that was kind of like my first thing was church choirs, school choirs, punk rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so when you were in choir, did like, do you remember, was, was music like a, a big deal to you then, or were you just kind of singing? because that's what you had to do. Well, I guess it was like, you know, it was something I wanted to do, but it was like, okay, I like this, but like, I wasn't totally into like the church stuff, you mm -hmm. know? So like, I, you know, the big thing, you know, early 2000s or whatever were like boy bands, you know, Backstreet Boys and all that stuff. And like, I had stacks of DVDs and VHS tapes of these like boy bands like doing concerts and stuff and I was like okay like you know I want to like 
kind of like be a performer, I guess. And then, you know, I found, you know, the punk rock stuff and it, you know, look here I am now, but you know, it's like, I guess it was a little column A, a little column B, like it was something I wanted to do, but it was also like, I guess the setting I was in, it was like something I was just kind of having to do. It was yeah. like, I got familiar with it and it was something I knew and was good at even. So like, it was easy to at least grasp and hold on to and move into different areas of things and figure out what I liked you know, on my own, you know. Yeah, for sure. So when, uh, what was it that made you start listening to like punk rock or, or rock or anything? Like just get away from the choir or in boy band kind of music? I kind of like, I had a friend and uh, there, uh, I was still in living in Dallas at the time. And there was like a, like a kind of a Christian rock radio station and they would play like Skillet and, you know, bands like that. And then I heard a Reliant K song, you know, and that was like, you know, I was like, what the fuck is this, you know? And then it, from there, it was like Tony Hawk games, you know, like the Goldfinger, Suicide Machines, like, you know, Melancholin were on, you know, all those guys like, you know, consumed, they were on a Tony Hawk game, like, you know, it, I, I really didn't know what punk rock was, but I knew I liked it, you know, and like, that's kind of where that started. And then I saw Green Day's music video for American Idiot on MTV one night. And I was like, okay, like, that's what I'm going to do. And then that's kind of where it really started. Nice. Um, man, Tony Hawk did so much, especially for Goldfinger, like, I don't know if Goldfinger would be where they were if it weren't for Superman. Oh, no. Yeah, they <laughs> probably wouldn't be. You know, like, less than Jake even. Like, you know, the, the I don't know if you've seen... What's that documentary? You can watch Pick it on it up. YouTube. No, it's... um. <sighs> oh, the Tony Hawk one? No, it's got... I, I forget what it's called. Something about, you know, it's about punk in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they interview, you know, like Fletcher from Pennywise and he kind of talks about how their big break was like surfing videos and shit. Like people would put their music on their videos and send them out. And that's how people found out about like Pennywise and punk rock like that. It was like, you know, the early 2000s version of that, you know, Tony Hawk was putting these bands on his video game and, you know, kids like us were buying the shit out of the game. And that's kind of like what we, you know, grew up with and like grasped onto for nostalgia and everything. So it's like, you know, he did a lot for those bands for sure. And it did a lot for me for sure. So like that's, it definitely played a big part in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When when did you pick up your first instrument? I was like 13. I got a guitar for my birthday thanks grandma and uh then i got another guitar then i got another guitar and then picked up a bass and it's been bass ever since yeah um so when you when you got your guitars were you just 
how were you learning songs like or or what were you doing once you got that guitar i guess i was taking lessons like i there was a place not far from where my parents lived i was going to take lessons once a week but you know like i would sit in my room and play and like play in front of the mirror and shit you know like i don't know like it was just kind of you know i i wanted to like be everything about it i guess and like so i was just playing all the time you know and like just trying to learn as much as i could and i think the music i liked the most was the most like melodic i guess so i tried to pick up on learning how to write songs like early so like i guess it kind of really all like fell into place you know like i guess really when i started when i picked up an instrument i guess really like it didn't really take too long for me to you know really kind of take to it and then of course then i'm like you know i want to be billy joe armstrong or you know tom DeLong. so i'm playing in front of my mirror and buying dickies and you know shit like that you know it's like it just kind of all it was all downhill from there <laughs> sure yeah um what was the first song you learned fuck dude i don't know <laughs> i don't even remember uh let's see i guess like a song i learned like in a lesson one time that i do remember was who wrote holden caulfield uh the green day song and then i learned like don't call me white <laughs> by no effects like i guess okay so we had to do like this recital thing so i learned how to play crazy train so that was i guess i guess a few of the songs that i first learned how to play i don't know exactly what the first one was cool cool and um so when did you start like uh creating or joining bands like when was that something you wanted to do uh probably as young as like 14 15 uh my neighbor mikey you know he lived like five houses down he was my best friend for the longest time he uh you know he had a guitar and then i was like the singer kid so then we kind of like started screwing around with that and then i bought a guitar then he got a guitar and then we were playing in his parents garage and you know that i guess that's when we action frank really started and that like that we've had that band since we were kids and then uh that's kind of been the main project for the last 12 13 years i guess and then uh yeah i would say probably as young as 14 and we were y'all um first started by like jamming covers or or was it originals like you wanted to do original music Oh, we, it was kind of a little bit of both. Like we were playing covers and then we were also, you know, experimenting, writing our own songs and just fucking around with it. You know, like, I don't really remember exactly 
like any of the songs we first wrote, but I still have some stuff from when I was like 16, you know, as early back as that on my computer, on my hard drive, and I listened to it. I'm like, damn, you know, <laughs> come a long way. But, you know, it's like, I guess we didn't waste any time learning how to write our own songs. Yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Um, so when did bass uh, get involved? Like, when did you switch over to bass? Our bass player, Ben, quit. So I kind of was a bass player out of necessity. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want the band to like dissipate because our bass player quit, went off to college or whatever he did. So uh, I bought a, bought a shitty little $80 Squire and that was it. So I was like 17. I've been playing bass in bands for 13 years now. So and now now i'm like the bass guy so <laughs> hell yeah nothing wrong with that nope um so, and when you were in action frank was this still all in dallas or when you started no we started action frank here in houston okay. uh our little bubble of a suburb out in sugarland like southwest side so we were angsty suburban <laughs> white kids wanting an outlet so it kind of you know just happened like that but we were yeah we were in Houston for sure like I was I moved to Houston when I was like 10 something like that so uh Mikey and I really didn't start doing anything until a couple years later so but it, it all started in his parents garage and his aunt is in like the Nashville like songwriters guild or whatever it is so she has like guitars and music equipment in her garage and gave us a bunch of old shit and we went from there so that's so badass um when when did you start getting when did you start playing shows or like how what was the process to even play shows like when y'all were start when you first started dude craigslist man craigslist so i found this ad for this production company gorilla productions and i hit them up and they were like oh yeah you guys like can totally do this here's a bunch of tickets you have to sell and all that stuff it was a pay-to-play kind of thing but when they sent us the tickets to sell and everything we were all stoked and you know like we played our first show at Fitzgerald's when we were like 15, 16, something like that. So and we played like at four o'clock in the afternoon or something, you know, so, but uh, we did a bunch of the pay to play stuff. Uh, our bass player, Ben worked at this like putt putt place and his boss let us play in like one of the party rooms a couple times. And, you know, it's stuff like that. Um, I I think every like beginner band runs into the pay to play kind of productions. Like, what what is just your opinions on pay to play? I I mean it. I guess for a young band, it's a good way to kind of like learn how to promote yourself and you know, learn how to play in front of people. I guess there are some silver linings to it, but when it, you know, in the end, they are 
taking advantage of the bands selling tickets for them and you know it's it's not necessarily you know beneficial for the bands in that sense but like you know so i think experienced bands or bands that have been around for a while they don't have you know they don't necessitate pay-to-play shows but there are those bands that you know it's like okay well you know you need to learn how to play live sell some tickets to your friends you know like they'll make some money and you get to play for people you know like i guess there is some sort of like there's a there's some you know silver lining there i guess you know yeah for, for sure and uh i I really like the answer i like that you can pull you know some like positive and some learning from from those experiences um so after uh after that like how how'd you start getting shows um i know when my band young costello went to houston uh you were like our point of contact i believe so um did you get <laughs> Hell yeah. Did um did you get into like throwing shows and booking? Like how'd you get into that stuff? Well, it kinda really started like Action Frank started touring and we put out our full length and you know, like Houston has a punk rock scene, it's here, but it's mostly rap and metal and the punk rock bands that are here, like I mean, we have days and days, we had thirty foot fall, you know, like you know, those bands were like playing out and touring and, you know, Days and Days works their ass off and stuff. So they, like they, those are, I guess the Houston bands that I really think of. But as far as like like pop punk bands, like there aren't many. And so we kind of took that sort of persona, like, I guess. So, you know, I started to get hit up by a lot of the, you know, pop punk bands, ska bands, like from around, like, I guess the U.S. and started really kind of putting on shows. I mean, I guess, you know, you kind of start small, like you guys are from San Antonio. So like, you know, San Antonio bands, Austin bands, like bands we would be playing with a majority of the time if we didn't play here. So like, you know, we really started to get to know bands like uh, Destroy Orbison, you know, like Sketchy Trench, you know, bands like that. Deadweight, they're all from your city, mm-hmm. you know, from Austin. Despero, Break Lights, uh, you know, like all those guys. Uh, Nowhere Bound, like there, there are so many bands that like, it's kind of like, okay, Texas has its it's little thing. So I kind of need access to a calendar. Like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't until a couple years ago, uh, I started working for a production company putting on shows. So I was like the, the pop punk show guy. Like I booked a muse <laughs> last year. Um, man, I did, I did a lot of bands. Uh, I did, uh, the Lucky Egypts, Mabel's Marbles. I did fucking. I can't. I can't even tell you. Like the Palatines from McAllen, booked them last year. Uh, man, just it, the list goes on and on. And so it's like there's a bigger community for this 
and not just here. So I think it's important, you know, that like, I think if this is something I'm going to be doing for pretty much the rest of my life, you know, I might as well like, you know, really get balls deep in it and like not just play in a band, but book them and be a part of the community and not just here, but in other places and, you know, make connections and, you know, make some friends and have fun with it. And I get to book bands and pretty much make my own bills and go to shows I like for free. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what, what can like um, just the local like music lover do to make sure that there is like a strong local scene um, just in any, in area, any area? Go to shows, man. Just go to the shows. Like, you know, it's really all you got to do. Like, you know, every city I think has its music scene and, you know, it, there's, you know, definitely a punk rock scene here. And I think it's just kind of a matter of people getting off their butt and going to a show. Like, you know, you don't have to necessarily like the bands or even know what bands are playing. Like, you know, just walk into a place where there's a band, like, you know, just go do it, you know, like listen to the music, you know, I think people have like song, like music ADD now, like, it's just like, I'm over here, I'm over there, like just sit down and, you know, listen, listen to an album or something, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, so I guess complicated, like just go see the bands play, so yeah yeah i think that's strong advice um so of course you know we're in this pandemic uh, numbers unfortunately are are starting to spike again what do you what what's action frank doing right now we're just writing uh jason just tracked drums for our new full length um we're waiting on those mixes to come back you know the one thing I'm trying to take advantage of with the pandemic and everything is all the time we have to be creative. So uh, with the new album, we haven't put anything out since 2016, you know, 20, no, 2014. So it's been about six years. So I'm not trying to rush the process uh, or anything like you know, that's the good thing about it is we can take our time and make sure we can make it sound the way we want it to and all that stuff. So I guess just taking advantage of being creative and having the time to do that. And I've started another band and, <clears throat> you know, it's been kind of nice, actually. Like, we can't play for people, which sucks. And I think it's going to be a little while before anyone's really going to be able to do that but uh just writing write 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 you know write some songs you know that's really all you can do if you can't play shows so yeah yeah um what's your writing process like uh i don't know man it's <laughs> really random all the time like i write songs in the shower like when I'm just kind of chilling in the shower 
or like when I'm at work, I'll think of something and I'll write it down real quick or whatever. It's almost like um, like walk hard, the you know the Dewey <laughs> Cox thing. Like he like he stood there and was like, oh my god, like that's yeah. it. Like, it's kind of like how that happens. <laughs> it's almost like a phrase or a line or something. And I'm like, that's dope. And then I'll like try and figure something out, you know. But it there's never um, there's never like a formula where I sit down and I'm like, okay, this first, this first, this first. It's always like, I don't know, a riff first, and then I'll put a melody to it, and then figure out lyrics later. Or first, it's lyrics, then a melody, and then chords later. It's it's always different. Um, when you're writing music, do you uh, take into account what you're playing on bass? Um, like when you're writing your lyric melodies, like are you just thinking like, oh, I need to make sure I can play this on bass and sing over it? Or is that not really something that comes to mind? Not really. Because, I mean, I write most of my songs on guitar. So it's not until... I get my bass in my hand and we play the songs or start figuring out what we want to do that I hear what I want to do on bass, you know, like it's, it all kind of comes secondhand, like, but it, it's not until I actually pick up my bass and we're in the practice room and like, I can hear the song with all of us together where I'm like, okay, I can put this here or, do this part here or you know whatever our songs are pretty fast and i don't really <laughs> have time to be all crazy and shit so you know i'm not a very technical bass player but um i guess for the most part if i do think of anything you know it's bass related it's you know it doesn't come until you know we're figuring out everything and getting everything down first it's song structure and then i'll figure out the other stuff later yeah for sure man um so i know you said you're tracking drums right now are you doing everything from home are you guys going to other studios to track uh guitars bass vocals uh we actually track drums in our practice room um our buddy curtis did that for us he just came and mic'd up Jason and put on a metronome and Jason took off. It took two days to do eight songs. And then um, once we get the drum mixes back, Cody and I are gonna do guitars and bass in the practice room. I've got a little Scarlet and we're just gonna track everything there. Um, my new band, The Lockdowns, that's what we did. Uh, Pedro did drums at a studio. We got those mixes back and then Jimmy and I did bass and guitar and vocals in the practice room and then sent it to somebody to make it sound pretty. And, you know, we had an EP in no time. So that's not out yet, but uh, it will be soon. So that's what Action Frank is doing. We're getting all those drum mixes back and then Cody and I will do everything in the practice room. And then uh, that'll be it. So I guess we're tracking everything ourselves other than drums and just uh, Matt Goings is mixing and mastering it. Uh, I found out about him through uh, the Problematics. They're from Florida. Their drummer Billy played drums for Amuse when I booked them. 
uh, last year. And uh, he did the Problematics record, and they're on AJAM Records, and that's run by the dudes from Against All Authority. So I was like, okay, so, I mean, if Matt, you know, is putting out records on AJAM, you know, like, you know, he might be able to sound, <clears throat> make Action Frank sound good. So he's going to mix and master everything for us and make us sound like we know what we're doing. And, you know, uh, I'm really stoked for it. It's the first Action Frank record in six years. So it's going to be yeah. right. Yeah, I'm sure it's going it's to come out great. Yeah. Um, something that like I attribute to you just being like social media friend is I feel like you're really about like local support and underground kind of support like underground bands um, and like it sounds like you do like a lot of networking I guess what what do you how do you find new bands man uh, Spotify you know like you know, a lot of the local bands are like smaller bands I follow. You just put it on like, you know, put it on one of those bands radio things or whatever, and you just find new bands that way. You know, social media is a definite tool for sure. You know, I think a lot of the newer bands that I've interacted with as of recently have almost all been through Facebook or Instagram or something like that. You know, those things have, you know, their problems, I guess. You know, social media is kind of lame or whatever, but it is a freaking fantastic networking tool. And I kind of use it for music, really. Like, and I think if I use it specifically to network with other bands and musicians and stuff, you know, I won't be, you know, getting, you know, feeling the self-conscious or like, effects or whatever of social media i think it's it is a beneficial thing musicians need to take advantage of and you know i'm thankful it's there or otherwise i wouldn't know the people i know or you know been able to book the people i've booked or do anything like that so you know spotify and social media man you know bands need to make a facebook yeah yeah i, I totally agree um can you give just any advice to maybe like up and coming bands or, or maybe established bands or, or bands that have been playing for a while like um how important networking is and how you go about networking um i like to network with the bands where it feels like everything for them comes naturally like they're not trying so hard you know like to be appealing that they the band themselves are the appeal you know i think there's a lot of there there are so many bands now like people have so many choices to choose from that i feel like sometimes people are like and eh, eh, you know like they start swiping bands away because they they you know, there's like, okay, here's these bands I already like, I'm gonna stick with this, like, I don't need, you know, 600 new bands, you know, coming at me, you know, and I think the new bands people gravitate towards are the ones that aren't trying so hard to get your attention. And those are the ones that I like, you know, that like, the, the band itself is the appeal, you listen to the band, and you're like, yep, they're good. You know, you watch the band play, and you're like, yep, they're good. 
you know, that's, you know, it doesn't have to be all bells and whistles with videos or, you know, edited pictures or, you know, like paying for the sponsored stuff on Facebook or whatever. I don't think it needs to be that complicated. I think if bands tour, you know, like play in different places and, you know, try in that sense, like don't try and just look like you play the part, you know, actually play the part. And like, I think that's the one element bands forget about is touring as well. Like that's the best networking tour tool. Like if Action Frank hadn't have done, you know, our big West Coast tour a few years ago, if we hadn't gone out with the Egypts and from Parts Unknown a couple years ago, like you know that that's the best networking tool you know playing with bands in different cities and being like yeah let's keep in touch and that's kind of how it that's how it happens first really and then the social media and stuff comes after that and all that stuff so it's like you know just don't try so hard you know be a good band focus on being good and you know everything will come after that so you know tour and just focus on the music and your musicianship and you'll be all right. Nice. Nice. And, um, so on the subject of touring, um, how do you guys go about, uh, touring? Like how do you get on a tour or any advice for people who wanted maybe do their first tour once this pandemic's over? Uh, just, start sending emails, you know, make phone calls, you know, it's kind of like talking to chicks, it's like, you know, you can't win them all, you know, like they're not, not all gonna, you know, call you back, you know, like, and once you accept that, I think that's kind of where, you know, it all starts to fall into place. If you know that and you're persistent, you know, I think that's, you know, what bands need to do. So like, if you don't know a band that can book you in a different place and you're hitting up venues, like be persistent, you know, like they get hit up all the time by bands. Like, you know, just start hitting people up, man. Like back in the nineties or whatever, they didn't have all this stuff. So they had catalogs of phone numbers people could call and like, you know, book a house party or whatever, you know? So it's, you know, they, they were just sit there and make phone calls, like sit there and send emails, you know, like just, you kind of have to, the, you have to work to book the shows and then you have to work to play them. And, you know, it's work, it's an F you have to put in effort and then you can't just expect to send an email to one person in different cities and, you know, like book a, book a two week tour, like, I think our two week tour took me a couple months to actually complete. So, you know, think about <clears throat> all that too, you know, like just be confident and everything. Yeah. Um, financially, are you, when you go on tour, are you depending on the tour to kind of like, the the finances like guarantees are you depending on that for the tour to be successful or do you guys plan or save up before you go on tour oh i always always save up before i go on tour you know like 
you can tell a promoter like, Hey, we need a hundred bucks, you know, for this show. And he'll be like, yeah, totally. And then you play and he gives you 50, you know, like you can't depend on your guarantees. So I always try and save up at least a little bit. So if we can, if, if I have to pay out of pocket, for gas, but we make enough at the show for a place to stay or a hotel or whatever, like, you know, that's at least something. So it's kind of yes and no, like <clears throat> the guarantees help. They soften the blow, but we're not, you know, we're not making 500 bucks a night or whatever, you know, we make 50, a hundred bucks a night. So if that, so it, it it's kind of plan ahead and make sure you have a little cushion, you know, until you can start writing gas off on your tax returns and whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's really important for, like, newer bands to know because especially, like, me, like, we have seven members, dude. So getting $50 a night is, like, not even $10 a person. Yeah. Uh, and then depending on the show, like, we're all taking different cars because we have work or whatever. So, um, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I just want to also be like realistic with people who want to tour and stuff, you know. So, oh, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not gumdrops and rainbows, man. Like, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, well, man, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, where can people uh, listen to or follow Action Frank and yourself on social media? Um follow action frank on facebook and instagram uh action frank tx or just action frank on facebook uh new record does not have a release date but we're working on it it'll probably come out sometime next year uh you can follow my other band the lockdowns uh on instagram the lockdowns tx uh that ep is coming out hopefully this year so uh make sure you do that and then you can find me really on any social media just as alex pritchett so hit me up bad me do all that stuff hell yeah man well thank you so much for the time um i really appreciate you being a guest and we'll just catch up soon man i had a lot of fun i've never done anything like this before so i'm totally stoked man thank you so much yeah thank you have a good day man. later bro later